In dark and quite uncertain times such as these, it's quite easy to wish that you could see into the future. And you might easily turn to fortune telling practices to try and navigate the potentially choppy waters ahead. Or you're going to look at what your cat does and decide what omen that holds. Or you're going to look for omens in random acts of chance. Or might you even turn to an ancient art like palmistry. Let's find out in this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host, Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Why, hello there and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. So yeah, everything's gone a bit mad, hasn't it? This has escalated so, so quickly. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, well, obviously you might be listening to this in some far off future that we can't even imagine yet. And I am, of course, talking about COVID-19. I am not going to dwell on it because, let's be honest, every news outlet, media operator and social media commentator is all of a sudden a self-qualified epidemiologist. So I'm just going to simply say, please wash your hands, please distance yourself from others and please, for the love of all of the gods, stop panic buying. Okay? There are people who can't get supplies who need to and they can't because some jackasses turned up and decided that they need to fill their trolley with enough stuff to survive a nuclear winter. No, just no. That's all I'm going to say on that topic though. But I do feel I need to address it because, you know, it is what's going on right now. And it is really, really peculiar because when I recorded next week's episode, which is on playing cards, I actually recorded that at the end of February. So there's no mention of COVID-19 at all because of the fact that it wasn't a thing yet in the UK. It was just something to kind of bear in mind with everything that was going on. Now fast forward to it's the 20th of March as I record this and I'm now teaching from home as of Monday and basically not going out. So, you know, everything's changed. I mean, I work from home anyway as a copywriter and as obviously a blogger and a podcaster. So I'm like, well, fine, you know, it, it is what it is. But if anybody is feeling a bit isolated or you're a bit lonely or you just want to chat to someone, please, like my door literally is open. Obviously not right now because that's my back door and that would be weird. But if you want someone to chat to, please feel free to send me a direct message on Instagram. It's just Icy Sedgwick. I think the link's in the show notes. I'm thinking about hosting like little sort of coffee morning chats on my Facebook page, although I need to get Zoom sorted out first. So, you know, it's like if you just want to chat to someone that you can get hold of us on Twitter or by email or whatever you want. Um, Because I feel like there's not really a huge amount I can do other than doing what I can not to spread it. But I can at least reach out and help anybody who's maybe feeling a bit isolated because it's the first time that you've worked from home or anything like that. So if that is something that you need, um, there you go. It might seem really strange as well that I'm going to continue doing the podcast with everything that's going on. But let's be honest, you're going to need entertaining and one of the goals of Fabulous Folklore is obviously to preserve this folklore for posterity but it's also to try and bring like a bit of a sense of magic and wonder back into the world and I don't know about you but I feel like we need that possibly more than ever and I know for a fact just because of the length of the blog post that this episode is based on this is going to be longer than me 15 minutes but 
I apologise. It's not going to be like it's not going to be like three hours or something. So don't worry that like you're sitting there and it's going to be like watching Avengers Endgame or something. We're not going to be going that long. But if it does go over by a few minutes, I'm sure you'll forgive us. And there will probably also be additional content in the form of book review episodes. There'll be more of those because I'll have more time to read, and I might throw some other bonus episodes in here and there as well obviously this is all free for you guys unless you're a patreon supporter in which case thank you very much i really need that but obviously if if whatever reason a patreon subscription is beyond you at the moment all you really need to do to help me is spread the word so tell people about the podcast recommend it as just like something a bit like lighter and a bit of levity maybe in in today's times and let's be honest, there's about 14 or 15 hours worth of content on here now, so there's plenty to keep you out of mischief. All that being said, let's continue with this week's episode. And it is Fortune Telling Month. I did not choose that on purpose, it was just what people on Twitter asked for. We are still going to have a look at all things spring-like in April, because I think it is still quite important to sort of stick to the schedule and, you know, crack on with life as much as possible. So we've already looked at Fortuna, the Roman goddess of luck and chance. We should possibly be putting a good word in with her now. And we've also looked at tarot cards last week. As I say, we're looking at fortune telling with playing cards next week. But then this week, um, I decided I was going to have a look at slightly different forms of divination. And unfortunately, there are hundreds to choose from. So I had to try and find a way to narrow it down. And the whole point of divination as a whole kind of lies a little bit beyond the scope of this episode because it's not necessarily just fortune telling. It's more a way to kind of gain insight into a problem or a situation. And the word divination itself actually derives from two Latin words. And that's divinus, which literally means divine, and divinare, which means being inspired by a god to foresee the future. And as we'll see throughout this episode... Finding out if you're doing what the gods actually want is quite a big theme throughout divination and fortune telling. As I say, we've already looked at cartomancy and other popular forms of divination include using dice. You can use something like runes or I Ching, things like that. Obviously, there's a the good old-fashioned scrying with something like a crystal ball. And I'm not entirely sure that there is a huge amount of difference between divination and fortune telling, but the way I sort of keep them slightly separate in my in my mind is fortune telling is a little bit more general. So someone might look at my palm or read tea leaves and tell me what they see, whereas with divination you're possibly answering a more specific question. So it's the intention that seems to make it different. But we're not going to split hairs too much because let's be honest, there's better things to worry about. And we are going to focus on four particular types of fortune telling. And I've grouped them together by theme to make it a little bit easier to grasp. So those themes are going to be animal behaviours, random acts of chance, shape spotting and body parts. So without further ado, let's get on with this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. Now we're going to start off with telling fortunes with animals and to be honest divining the future based on animal behaviours is an ancient practice and perhaps one of the more famous is that of augury or divination by watching birds and the way this works is the diviner called an augur would watch the birds and then make interpretations based on their behaviour. This was known as taking the auspices, which is where we get the word auspicious from. So if something is an auspicious omen, it basically means it's favourable. Inauspicious is obviously not favourable. And according to legend, Romulus and Remus actually used augury to decide where to build Rome. 
and Romulus chose the Palatine Hill and Remus chose the Aventine Hill, which apparently was more easily defended. And then when they sat down and watched the birds, Romulus saw 12 vultures and Remus only six, which therefore settled the debate. And Rome was built on the Palatine Hill. Now, August didn't just look at any birds, because, I mean, if you think about it, that could get quite confusing. And let's be honest, if you were in London, it's like, how many pigeons do you really need to see? But birds were kind of grouped into two categories. You had one who dictated omens by their song and the other with their flight patterns. And the movements that they made or the sounds that they made meant different things depending on the time of year and other factors. So it's not as simple as saying, ah, oh, I have seen three starlings, so that means X, because there's all these other things to bear in mind as well. Jeremy Miner actually points out that the Greeks thought the birds flying on the right was a good omen, while the left was a bad omen. But obviously, as he also points out, that seems fairly arbitrary because it would depend which way around you were facing when you were observing them. Now, the Romans thought it was the other way around, with the left being positive and the right being negative, but that might be because the Romans looked south when they did this and the Greeks looked north. So they're essentially both doing the same thing, just with variations. And particular birds held more significance than others because Greek gods were often associated with birds. So Zeus had the eagle, so if you saw an eagle, you might see that as a message from Zeus. Apollo had both the raven and the falcon, and Athena very famously had the owl. And that said, both herons and swans also appear in myths as messages from the gods. So again, it's not necessarily a particularly cut and dried form of divination. And birds also pop up in the practice of ornithomancy, which we briefly touched on in the episode about strange Valentine's Day practices. And this one relies on the idea that the first bird that you see gives you an answer to a question. So in the Valentine's Day example, the first bird a woman saw told her what kind of man she would marry. Now, this also has a bit of a a crossover into another form of fortune telling also involving animals based on chance encounters with animals and this is called a pantomancy and it would mean that you would then get your fortune based on what the next animal was that you saw. Now I should put a warning in here if you wanted a fortune associated with a majestic animal like the wolf then if you live in like urban Rotherham probably not likely to see them so maybe adjust your expectations accordingly. And obviously then there's two others, and I'm sorry that I'm going through these at such a whistle-stop pace, but as I say, there's a lot to get through. And we did look at myomancy briefly in our exploration of rats in folklore a few episodes ago, and this is basically observing rodent behaviour, so it's kind of put the mice down and see what they do. There is also another one, which I think is fabulous, which is watching what cats do, which is philidomancy. But I think anyone familiar with cats knows that they'll pretty much often do things that defy explanation anyway. So I'll probably hesitate against using your cat for divination because it'll probably do something different just to spite you. Now, we're not just talking about animals. We are talking about body parts, particularly human body parts, because again, this is a huge topic and could this could be several episodes in and of itself. This is just an introduction to these forms of fortune telling. So I've stuck to human body parts. And perhaps the most famous fortune telling method involving a body part is that of palmistry, also known as chiromancy. Now, this involves reading the hand, not just the lines on the palm, 
So the reader will look at the length of the fingers, the shape of the fingers, the palm shape, the lumps and bumps on the palm. They'll also look at maybe the colour of the skin. Is the hand clammy? Is the skin soft? All that kind of thing. So there's a lot of stuff involved. It's not just simply, oh, you have a good heart line or whatever. There is other stuff that they will be looking for. And the good reader will look at both hands because they basically tell you different things about yourself. And this is basically, I feel, where classic fortune telling comes in. That a person may ask a question and then the reader looks for the answer. Um, but obviously, more generally, the reader will tell the person what's already there. So they're basically kind of predicting the future based on their hands rather than answering a specific question. Nobody really knows where it came from, although many people do think it was ancient India. But Aristotle does mention it in his History of Animals because he took the attitude that the lines on the palm wouldn't be there if they didn't mean something. It did lose its popularity during the Middle Ages, but then when people in the 19th century started practising these various occult arts, they basically rediscovered palmistry. And let's be honest, one of its advantages is that it requires absolutely no equipment and can be done pretty much anywhere. So unlike other forms of divination, like for example tarot, which up until the repeal of the Witchcraft Act was a bit of a no-no, at least with palmistry you're just looking at someone's hand, so it's a little bit more straightforward. We're going to move on to phrenology, which was a pseudoscience in the 19th century, and it was originally developed by the German physician Franz Joseph Gall in 1796. And practitioners of phrenology believed that they could understand a person's character by feeling the bumps of their skull, because in their view, these bumps then correspond to parts of the brain. So if you then have a particularly enlarged part of the brain that they believed was associated with, say, lustfulness, that would then manifest as a bump in the skull and somebody could feel that and then go, aha, this is what this means. Much as a skilled reader could see the path of your life in the lines of your palm, so a phrenologist could basically map out your life based on your bumpy skull. As far as phrenologists were concerned, you had no control over how bumpy your skull was, so you were essentially beholden to whatever character your brain dictated. Now, as you can imagine, this was misused to support quite deplorable racist behaviour and people used it in order to justify quite racist ideologies about why one race was superior to another, and it's literally all just based on some nutter thinking that you can feel bumps on a skull and that that would tell you something about a person. And in 2018, neurologists actually tried to replicate phrenological principles, so they actually tried to map the bumps on the skull against brain activity and they found literally no correlation between bumps on the skull and personality traits and I would highly doubt that you're surprised to hear that if you are surprised to hear that then I'd be interested to know why but as I say phrenology has been I mean it was basically abandoned during the 20th century thankfully but physiognomy basically treated the face in the same way and this was developed by Cesare Lombroso in 1876 and he believed that practitioners could spot a criminal just by looking at their face because previously people thought the criminals behaved as they did out of choice, but Lombroso believed, much as phrenologists did, that they did so out of some kind of inherent criminal tendencies. Now, according to Lombroso, thieves had, and I quote, small wandering eyes, distorted or squashed noses, and sloping foreheads. You would imagine that you'd probably recognise someone like that. And rapists, and I quote, nearly always have sparkling eyes, delicate features, and swollen lips and eyelids, end quote. This is the kind of nonsense he comes out with. And unfortunately, like phrenology, physiognomy was also exploited by white thinkers to justify their racist tendencies. But thankfully, like phrenology, it has also been debunked as utter hogwash. But it does go to show how dangerous fortune-telling can be in the wrong hands and how it can be used to 
basically forced through somebody's agenda. Now, obviously, it also isn't just body parts that provide a means of foretelling the future. Speaking to spirits, usually through the corpse, is called necromancy. And many people think that necromancy is the physical raising of the dead. And to be fair, this is a misnomer that I followed in my Magic and Mayhem books, in which I have a necromancer. And the first of the books, The Necromancer's Apprentice, is a retelling of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, only with bloodthirsty mummies instead of brooms. And it was only after I'd written that that I then researched necromancy and discovered, no, that's not actually what it is. And in actual fact, necromancy involves speaking to the dead to get their advice based on their knowledge from being on the other side. And a really famous example of this is the Witch of Endor in the Bible. But I will put a link to my Necromancer's Apprentice book in the show notes, just in case you're bored and you need something to read while you're self-isolating. Now, the next one is Random Acts of Chance. And I've lumped several forms of fortune telling together in this section because they literally all rely on the element of randomness. And they're also all things that you can try yourself very easily. So if you do and you have some results, please do let me know because it will be fascinating to hear what people are getting out of this. The first one is called transitomancy, which is otherwise known as things accidentally seen or heard. So you would, you know, base your, have some kind of question in mind and then whatever you saw or heard by accident would answer the question. And then there's a very similar one, cladonomancy, which is overheard words. So you might be in a shop and you're thinking about something. So maybe you're wondering what to do about your job. And someone might walk past in conversation with a friend and they say something aloud. And maybe one of them tells their friend, you should quit your job if it makes you so unhappy. This would be cladonomancy because this is where something that you've overheard answers your question. There is also a related form called clemency, which is instances where you hear a random shout in a crowd that also answers something that you're thinking. And there's no logical way that the shout was an answer to something that you thought or said, but it still gives you an answer. You can tell fortunes via the things that you find on the road, which is called symbolomancy. And to be fair, all I ever seem to see are lone shoes. And whenever I say like a single trainer, I always think, why did someone not notice that they'd lost a trainer? But there we go. The next one is a particular favourite and that's Shufflemancy. And this one involves an iPod or a music player on your computer that has a shuffle function. The shuffle bit is really important here. And you can do this on your phone as well if you've got a folder full of music. And basically all you do is you ask your question and you hit shuffle. And the lyrics of the first song that pops up is your answer to your question. You might wonder how this sort of fits under fortune telling, but you are still essentially looking for an answer to a question. So you are essentially telling your fortune. You can also do this same thing with books and it's called bibliomancy. So choose a book that you feel drawn to, ask your question and then let the book fall open. Obviously, this is with physical books. And the first sentence that your eyes rest on is the answer to your question. And you can also do this with the random article function on Wikipedia. But be warned, this one can be quite strange because I decided to give it a go just as an example for this episode. And I thought the question, how do I better advertise my copywriting services? And the random article was about the Sierra Mock stone crop plant. So I'm not really sure how its musty scent or thread-like stems answers my question. But, you know, it's an option. So we're going to go from one plant to another. And we're going to look at shape spotting, but in the form of reading tea leaves or coffee grounds. Because let's be honest... Studying the shape of things is quite a popular means of fortune telling and you can study shapes that you see in fire, which is pyromancy, flames, which is lampadomancy. You can spot shapes in smoke, which is 
Turifumi, or you can look for patterns in the smoke or ash from burned incense, which is Libanomancy. And also you can look at the shapes in clouds or one of the things people do is they'll drip wax into water to see what shapes it forms. And that's called ceramancy. So we're all look these these are all the shape spotting things, but we're going to focus on tea leaves or tassiography. And this started in ancient China and basically requires you to look at the patterns the tea leaves make inside the cup. And it first appeared in Europe after tea became popular in the 17th century. And it was so popular because of the fact that all you needed to do it was a cup, a saucer and your tea, which actually made it quite an easy type of fortune telling to try. You have to remember that tea was not cheap when it was first introduced. So it wasn't accessible in the way that, say, palmistry or even playing cards were. But obviously, once the price of tea came down, it then became a bit more accessible to like ordinary people. Now, the way that it basically works is you obviously just have a little bit of liquid left. You swill the, the tea leaves round and then you basically put the up end the cup on the saucer and let the water drain away. And then look at what shapes you can see in the tea leaves. And obviously you've got to hold it a certain way around and trying to interpret the symbols. And I've actually got a link to a guide on tea answers on how to do it if you want to give it a go yourself. And the way that some people think it works is because the drinker infuses the tea with their energy, a little bit like shuffling a deck of cards and prints a person's energy on the reading. So that, that might be how it then works. Obviously, if anybody's seen Harry Potter, obviously there's reading tea leaves in there. And it does work best with loose tea, so don't just think you can tear open a tea bag because that's ground too finely. But loose tea gives better images. And also don't use a tea strainer or a teapot because you actually want the leaves in your cup. And I was wondering, does that not mean that you'll just swallow them and apparently no, they kind of stay at the bottom of the cup while you drink your tea. So tassiography became really popular because it was relatively easy to do. And from what I've heard, it is actually supposedly quite accurate, but I haven't actually given it a go myself yet, but I will. But I do think that we're coming to the end of things now when we've looked at how you can get answers to questions and tell fortunes through putting your iPod on shuffle or looking at the lines on your hand or you know you can do it by seeing how your cat behaves when you ask a question or obviously you can do something really straightforward like reading tea leaves but what do we ultimately make of all of this because all of these forms of fortune telling plus the ones that I haven't mentioned because there's literally thousands all basically boil down to the same thing people want to make sense of the world around them Kings once made decisions based on the flight path of birds, wishing to understand the wishes of the gods. Now, leaders follow the caprices of the stock market. And you may think that all of this is nonsense, because can you really predict the future through the lines on your hand? Can you really determine somebody's character through what star sign they are? All of that kind of thing. And if phrenology and physiognomy have been scientifically proven to have no basis in reality then you do wonder what kind of faith you can put in the others. And who's to say that being told the outcome of a particular tea leaf or palm reading, that a person wouldn't make a different decision than they would have otherwise made. So simply by asking what the future might hold, the person leans in that direction when their future may have actually lain elsewhere. But ultimately, and this is the thing that I want you to take away from this episode, what it boils down to is choice. Whether we know what the future holds or we don't, it's still up to us what we do with any information that we have. It still comes down to us making a choice. So please, I ask you, choose wisely, my friend. That is it for this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. As I say, that was a bit of a, 
a mad dash through the world of divination and fortune telling. Obviously, I could have done entire episodes on some of these forms. And maybe if you're interested, I actually will. So if you are interested in more fortune telling and divination beyond the, the playing cards episode next week, let me know. Somebody did ask for an episode on oracles and like the Greek oracles and so on. And I'm, I think they deserve that own episode rather than being shoehorned into this one so that one will be forthcoming at some point it may end up being a bonus episode while we're all in self-isolation who knows but there will be an episode on that coming at some point as i say next week we're looking at the folklore of playing cards and i dare say most people have probably got some so that's quite good and yeah i don't really want to add much more because of the basically i've said everything i needed to say at the beginning so all i really want to end this episode with is I'm going to borrow Jerry Springer's, take care of yourselves and each other, stop panic buying, wash your hands and just follow the advice that's given and and we'll see how we get on. Much love to everybody. As I say, please let me know if you need a chat or you're feeling lonely and otherwise I'll speak to you next week. So until then, cheerio.